If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. Brian McClanahan Show, episode 582. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. This is B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. Why are there? Give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours. Truly. Support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, ten, free class, excuse me, 10 Myths of American History. Great win-win. Plus, you can purchase classes there, which is also a win-win. You keep this podcast free of charge, and you get great content. I've got a lot of good stuff there, and more classes coming this year. So that's on the back end, right? We're getting more stuff. So make sure you're out there purchasing McClanahan Academy classes and getting that free class. Also, Click on the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. Click on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way if you want to. You can also get a book plate, autograph my autograph on one of my books. You can purchase my books wherever books are sold online. The latest two, The Jeffersonian Tradition and Southern Scribblings, both great books. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're, you're listening to the show. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Let people know you like the show. Share the podcast around on social media, but... That's how we grow the audience. I mean, that's how we do this. It's how we get an organic audience and we keep growing. And this podcast is growing. More and more people are listening to it. More and more people are rating it, reviewing it, subscribing to it. This is a good thing. We got to start somewhere. Yesterday, we talked about what you could do. It's a practical solution to some things. Get involved in that local government. Start saying no to the federal funds. It will change the world. It will change America. Because what are they going to do when they can't control you because you're not taking any of their money, right? That's going to be a big issue. So we're going to talk about that because we've got people now thinking, rethinking the American Union. I think that's the key to understanding what's what's happening in the United States today. People are rethinking the value of union. And I've talked about uh, books on this topic before. I've covered this many, many times. And even recently, we had uh, Sarah Silverman, who's a voice actress, most, I mean, most famously, but come out and say, you know, maybe it's time that the left and the right separate. We start, we, we just go our own way. Now, see, here's the issue in all of this. That doesn't have to happen. It's very simple to solve this without any secession. It's, it's very simple. If the United States actually had a government as designed in the Constitution that did have control over commerce and defense, because these are things, you know, a big union of states for defensive purposes is a good thing. Now, a big union of states for offensive purposes is a bad thing, because a lot of people get killed when you do that. We've seen it. We've seen major wars for the United States in the 20th century as the big United States decided it was going to get involved in everybody else's business. That's created a very violent and bloody situation for a lot of Americans. There are a lot of American graves out there filled, you know, filled with American soldiers because we're deciding to police the world and because we've decided we're going to be the imperial power. We're looking at a 
possible situation in uh, in Ukraine and with Russia. I mean, what that what's going to happen there, right? Are Americans going to have to get involved in this? Are we going to have to? I mean, have another big war for this? This is crazy, right? So, if the United States was designed for defense, defending itself and not being offensive, well, that's a good thing, right? We can we can pool these resources. If one part of the unions attack, the other part will come to the aid. Only if we're attacked, though, not going out and actually instigating the attack. That's the whole key to that. So that's a good thing. Commerce, having a free trade zone. I love being able to drive to another state. I don't have to pay a toll to go over the border. I don't have to pay a tax on stuff as it comes back. I mean, you have free trade zone, free movement. That's a great thing. It's a nice thing that people benefit from on a daily basis. You can get goods and services shipped over state lines all the time, and there's no tariff or taxes on those things. That was exactly what it was designed for, okay? This is what the founding generation said about it. So if that was the if that was the only thing the central authority could do, regulate commerce, and that regulation of commerce has to be what they said it was, which is we're not going to have tariffs and taxes, looking at historical examples of this, and to ensure that we're protected should the United States ever be attacked, any state ever be attacked. That would be fine. In fact, we would rarely notice the central authority. You have to pay your taxes to it. You would, but those would be extremely small. In fact, you would be paying more taxes to your state government than you would to the central authority. This was actually argued. It was argued in the ratification process that the state taxes, the the opponents of the Constitution were saying, you know what's going to happen? Federal taxes are going to swallow up state taxes. We're not going to be able to raise revenue in the states anymore because all we're going to do is pay federal taxes. The proponents of the document, those in favor of it, said that's never going to happen because the states will still do all this stuff. We're not going to take as much money at the federal level. We won't do it. That would not be even possible. We don't have all these things to do. The states are still going to do all this stuff. They still need to raise revenue. And so because of that, you're still going to have pay you know, your your primary taxes will be at your state. Well, we know that's not the case anymore. Everyone when they think about taxes thinks about the federal government. What about your state taxes? We know in some states if you pay if you make a good amount of money, your state local and federal taxes eat up 50 to 60% of your income, sometimes more. That's ridiculous. Because the states are taxing a lot, the central government's taxing a lot, the localities are taxing a lot. You pay you mean sales taxes, everything else. So this is an issue, right? This is an issue. But this is how it was thought. You would have the central authority doing very little and the states doing everything else. That's real federalism. If that was the case, California could be California. New York could be New York. Alabama could be Alabama. North Dakota could be North Dakota. Florida could be Florida. And who cares? We, If anything, COVID has done this. One thing. It's made people rethink federalism and how important it is in their daily lives. Because people in Florida have lived a drastically different life than people in California for the last two years. Or people in New York. Or people in uh, Nebraska. Different lives... We all know their lives are going to be different in many ways anyways because of climate, geography, business conditions, everything else. But all that, again, the business conditions part, all that, is dictated by your state and local government. And we talked about yesterday refusing the cash from the federal government. Don't take their money. Simply get involved and do what you want. 
So if we had real federalism, this call for separation wouldn't be happening. Because the lefties wouldn't be worried about Alabama controlling them anymore. If we really had, if we had true civics in America where people learned federalism, they learned what that actually does, we wouldn't have people saying, well, the general government has to do this. If they get a traffic, uh, traffic citation for uh, a, a, a red cam or red light cam in their, in their city, they wouldn't try to take that to federal court. This is all my rights are being violated. My rights, my federal rights are being violated. By what? A traffic cam in your city? No, that's your city government being a bunch of buffoons. If you don't agree with that law, or maybe you do agree with it, and you want to put it there, right? That's your local government. That's where that goes. That's where it should stop. So judges, I know I have people that are lawyers, and uh, legal scholars listen to this who maybe could be judges one day. Judges, if you make it to the bench, start ruling this way. The stuff, the buck stops there. Right? If you get if you're a federal, want to go to a federal judge, throw the stuff out that has I mean, you can't sue for these things in federal court. It's, it's you can't you can't hear it. We can't hear it in this federal court. Out. See ya. Stop making every issue a federal issue. And you know what? Things will start to change. They will change because it has to change that way if you do these kind of things. But I want to talk about uh, this piece at the Blaze. It was um, published just a couple of days ago. Hellboy actor Ron Perlman says it's time for blue states to separate from red states. Ron Perlman, the Hollywood movie star known for playing tough-talking, cigar-chomping, loud mouse, recently endorsed the concept of a national divorce via social media. You don't want to live in my world, and I certainly don't want to live in yours, Perlman wrote. Perlman's disdain for conservatives and the Republican Party is well-documented. But here's the quote. You don't want to live in my world, and I certainly don't want to live in yours. Well, we don't really. Even in federalism, we don't. You don't have to be two separate places. The issue here is control. What people have to realize in all of this, Perlman, Silverman, those on the left, and even those on the right have to realize we don't have to control them. We don't have to, we don't have to do what they do. They don't have to do what we do. It's simply you live in your place and we'll live in ours and we do what we want and you do what you want. And you know what? At the end of the day, if we all thought that with the central authority, no one would be angry anymore. No one would want anything out of the central authority because it wouldn't be there to have, right? Joe Biden would be essentially irrelevant. He already is, but he would be irrelevant. Donald Trump would have been irrelevant. Or Barack Obama would have been irrelevant. The only people that want them to be relevant are people that get off on the power. The people in the power. People that want power want themselves to be relevant. And so if you've got this big government with all this money coming in, well, then you can be more powerful and more relevant. Look at all the things I can do. I can make you do these things. I can make you follow this mandate. I can make you take that. I can do all these things to you because you took my money. Don't take their money. Perlman's disdain for conservatives and the Republican Party is well documented. After the passing of popular conservative radio personality Rush Limbaugh, Perlman took to Twitter to express his condolences to the devil who will no doubt have to spend the rest of eternity with Rush Limbaugh. Ha ha ha. I mean, come on. These people try to be funny, and they're pretty sorry at it. 
The Hellboy actor also used his platform to accuse a disabled veteran turned ICE agent of having a Nazi symbol tattooed on him. And then, of course, there, if you look at the actual article, there's a tweet that he put up. Isn't that the iron cross on the guy's elbow? When it was found out it wasn't, Perlman had to apologize. But instead of simply apologizing when proved wrong, Perlman took the opportunity to criticize ICE, saying that the organization tends to racially profile decent people. Perlman's elitist disdain for anyone beyond his leftist echo chamber isn't a new development. Especially in recent years, Hollywood is more recognizable for its left-wing virtue signaling than for creating decent cinema. However, Perlman's call for secession is unique. He joins a growing list of celebrities who frankly have more influence than we tend to acknowledge who have called for national divorce. It should say, isn't unique. There are all kinds of people who are talking about this. Last September, on an episode of her podcast, comedian Sarah Silverman said, if people aren't getting along like in relationships, they break up. So why don't we finally realize these states aren't working and divide them up into like two or three countries? Ooh, I mean, what's amazing about this is how these people are making an amazing discovery. My gosh, like this has never been tried before. We've never thought about these things before. Gee, I mean... This is the Lincolnian myth. The problem with the Lincolnian myth is that you can't do this. We take the Pledge of Allegiance from the time we're little minds of mush and saying this is impossible. So people are taught. They're taught the Gettysburg Address. They're taught the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance. They're taught all this. This is impossible. It can't happen. Even the Blaze is going to say that, which is just stupid. Because the Blaze, of course, gets a lot of its... The people that write for the Blaze get a lot of their historical info from David Barton who, as I've already pointed out in this podcast several times, is a fraud with what he does. Leftist thought leaders have also called for a natural divorce. Prior to the 2020 presidential election, Ben Smith, the founding editor in charge of BuzzFeed News, suggested in the New York Times that if influential blue states threatened to secede from the Union, they could persuade the rest of the United States to favor their political preferences. Probably not. What would happen is if they threatened to secede, the rest of the Union would say, leave, get out, I would love it. This is the the Cal Exit people are great on this. Look, we know you don't like us, so vote people into the federal government that will say they're going to boot us out of the union. According to Texas v. White, which is a Supreme Court decision that people often cite to say secession is unconstitutional, it doesn't say that. Because you see, they had to have some kind of wiggle room there for military reconstruction. Because military reconstruction essentially said that, you know what, uh, you're not part of the union anymore. You're a territory. You're a province. And we're going to boot, we're going to, it's state suicide. So because you left, you're no longer a state. You're now a territory or a province of the United States. And so we're booting you out. You're not really a state. We voted you out of the union. So what Texas v. White said is that's perfectly fine. You just can't do it on your own. You can't leave on your own. So, the people in charge of Cal Exit are saying, we'll just vote us out then. Let us leave by simply saying, red America doesn't want blue America here, and we're kicking California out of the union. You're no longer part of it. We We don't accept you anymore. It would be beautiful. You could do it with several states. You could kick the entire West Coast out. Or you could say, I mean, because these states don't matter anymore, Right. Uh, the federal government could maintain its ports and other things. We're just giving you all the rest here. I mean, this this is ours, and you can have the rest of this. 
we're not going to sell it to you. We're just going to keep it. You could do that. I mean, we saw that if you're a pure Lincolnian, Lincolnians said you can do that. They wouldn't let South Carolina buy uh, any of the forts there or Florida. So there's already a precedent for that. You just want to go down that path. Richard Kreitner, author of Break It Up, Secession, Division, and the Secret History of America's Imperfect Union, theorized that a national divorce would make it easier to enact large-scale progressive policies. In the fall of 2020, while speaking to the nation about his book, Kreitner said, what if the United States broke apart? Would that be such a bad thing? Is it possible that the progressive policies and programs that I wanted to see put into place might be easier to enact in a smaller entity than the United States? with 330 million people and the need to always convince people that with very different attitudes and interests. I mean, the amazing thing about this is that all these leftists, it's like they made this amazing discovery. Oh my gosh, I just came up with this on my own. What if, what if these things were happening? Like people hadn't thought of this for years. Now I know Kreitner got into the history of this, but what if people actually were fine with other people doing things that they don't like? What would happen then? Who cares? Talk of secession isn't only a left-wing phenomenon, however. Conservatives in Texas in recent years have suggested that the Lone Star State could secede from the Union should Democrats fundamentally destroy the country. Well, there's been other secession movements. Many other secession movements. These aren't the only ones, of course. These aren't the only, only secession movements, of course. But then I want to get to this part of the piece, which I find absolutely hilarious. Regardless of whether or not secession is a tenable theory, frankly, no legitimate secessionist movement could succeed without large-scale violence and economic chaos. It has rapidly gained popularity in multiple political circles. Well, let's just, let's just dissect that statement. No legitimate secessionist movement could succeed without large-scale violence and economic chaos. Why? Why would it involve that? You're talking about Texas which has an economy that's larger than most European states. What would be the economic chaos in that? If they had plans in place for an economy, for a currency, whatever they're going to do with their central authority, why would that create economic chaos? Same thing with California. You can still trade with the United States. You can still be part of the U.S., uh, I mean, be a primary U.S. trading partner in the United States. You can still do all those things. Why would it cause chaos? You could keep all the rules and regulations in place. I mean, these are things that we have to we have to address. What would the economic situation be like? I, I really would like to see economists get out there and look at these things. How could this be done? And uh, how could it be done feasibly? That's the real threat, of course, economic chaos. But it doesn't have to lead to violence. I mean, if people did this through a popular vote, hey, we're out, why would it have to lead to violence? Why do we always think that because somebody wants to leave, it has to be violent? People do people break up all the time. There's no violence. What's the difference in a state? The only ones that will want to have violence are the central authority trying to keep them there. We saw that in 1861. You see the real culprit in all this, the real culpable party in the violence is not the not the seceding state, but the central authority that doesn't want them to leave. But we never call them out for that. Wait a second here. Why are you doing this? Why are you uh, perpetrating violence on people that simply want to follow the directive of popular sovereignty? We don't want to be here anymore. We want out. 
A recent survey conducted by the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia found that 50% of Donald Trump voters and 40% of Joe Biden voters agreed to some extent with the proposition that the country should be split up with either red or blue states seceding. Despite how drastic a concept that national divorce truly is, it cannot be denied that it's becoming increasingly popular. Well, no. No way, right? I mean, this is G-rated podcast, so no way. Of course it is, because people are seeing that top-down, one-size-fits-all government from the left or the right doesn't work. Richard Kreitner is right. 330 million people are never going to agree. Even if you got half those people, the other half are going to be abused. You see, federalism, decentralization, secession, all these things, nullification, these are all peaceful ways to handle political conflict. You just don't force people of desperate interests into the same thing. Alabama is not the same as California, and it should not be governed the same as California, and vice versa. Now, I mean, you could say that California would be better off if it was governed like Alabama, and I can make that case. And there's lots of people in California that really are distraught over how California is being organized and how the government runs things. So move, if you can. Get out of California. I think you might start seeing political refugees in much larger numbers. Right? There was a, a piece that I was going to talk about, um, about U-Hauls, right? And how U-Haul is uh, in, in a situation where people are just leaving. It's, I mean, California, it's, it's, it's amazing what's happening in California. People getting out of the state. This is, these are political refugees, and we should treat them as such. The thing is, though, when you become a political refugee, you should understand you don't want to make where you're going like where you're from. So you got to kind of leave all that stuff behind. And don't make it, don't ruin what you go to. This is where people uh, you know, mess up. They go to some place, particularly people who aren't really interested. In the, well, I'm from Massachusetts and I don't like it up here. So I'm going to go to South Carolina. But then when I get to South Carolina, I don't like how these people are. So I'm going to try to make it like Massachusetts. And then, of course, what do you do? You make South Carolina just like Massachusetts and you got to go somewhere else. So the best thing for you to be would be stay in Massachusetts. That's where you're from. That's what your political culture is. Stay there. So all of this, I think, I find very interesting. Of course, the blaze being what it is with uh, its position on these issues. It will never agree with this stuff. It would never agree with this kind of decentralization. But again, as I talked about in the beginning of this, of this episode, if we had real federalism, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter at all. Because the states could do whatever they want with their with their local concerns. And most of that are the things that you see on a daily basis. Your schools, your police protection, your fire protection, your trash pickup, your water, your roads. All that kind of stuff is done at your state and local level. So if that thing, those things are functioning well, then the U.S. government really doesn't apply to you that much except for taking your money in taxes. That's all it does. So I like this piece. Uh, this was um, sort of a listener-generated episode. Somebody asked me to do it. A couple people asked me to talk about Ron Perlman. Uh, but this particular uh, uh, article on it was not something that was sent to me. So anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. See you then.